enjoy it, to be able to do it with you, to think about the Bible on a cold morning like this here in Virginia. It's sleeting out here and snow's on the ground. But we're having a lovely warm morning in here. I just love to study the Bible and I like to see what it's got in there to learn about. And sometimes you just have to let the Bible take you where it wants to go. And let the Holy Spirit sort of fly along with you and carry you from the different places. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take a little time to wander around with St. Paul in the last of his missionary journeys and just pay a little bit of different kind of attention to him today as we move through this text. And what I'm going to do today is simply read the text to you from a, a version, revised standard version, and then I'm going to come back after I've got through reading it and talk about different things in there that impact me from my perspective. And then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. And then that'll be the end of it. And I'm glad you're here. I really am glad you're here today. So I'm going to begin reading at the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm going to start at the 13th verse. And I'm going to finish at the end of the 20th chapter. Here we go. Then we went on ahead to the ship and sailed to Assos. And from there, intending to take Paul on board. For these were his instructions. Since he himself was going by land. When he met us at Assos, we took him on board and came to Mytilene. Sailing from there the next day, we arrived off Chios. The following day, we crossed over to Samos. And the day after, we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so he would not have to spend time in the province of Asia because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. Now, Admiratus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. And then I did not shrink back from proclaiming to you anything that was profitable for teaching it to you in public, from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, bound 
in my spirit. Not knowing what I will encounter there. Except that in town after town, the Holy Spirit testifies to me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I count my life of no value to myself. So that I may finish my course. And the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus. To testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went above preaching the kingdom. Will ever see my face. Again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of everyone, anyone, everyone's blood. For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And men from among you will rise up with Deviant doctrines to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore be on the alert. Remembering that night and day for three years, I did not stop warning each of you with tears. And now, I commit you to God and to the message of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my needs and for those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that by laboring like this, it is necessary to help the weak and to keep in mind the words of the Lord Jesus. For he said, it is better, more, it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down. And prayed with all of them. There was a great deal of weeping by everyone. And embracing Paul, they kissed him. Grieving, most of all, over his statement. That they would see his face, never see his face again. Then they escorted him to the ship. And therein is reading of the text for this day. There ends the reading.
My goodness, it's a a sober and a somber affair. Makes you think, makes your heart ache to think of this farewell of St. Paul. Then verses indicate that Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, which was a a large city, and where these men who bid him farewell came from. Many have said that he may have had reasons. Maybe his heart wouldn't let him in. Maybe it made him think he was he was a concern about how troubling it might be to the people there to see him pass by on his way to Jerusalem and for what he was assured waited him there. But Paul was interested in going to Jerusalem to be that time of Pentecost. And that's significant. wonder why he wanted to be there then. Well, there's two great celebrations going on, one bigger than the other, the celebration of the Jews, festival of the Jews, when the males were required to come to Jerusalem. And when Christians were there, were remembering this at the time of the coming of the Pentecost, coming of the Holy Spirit, and how that had allowed tongues of fire to rest on them. And they spoke another language. And, oh, it was just, it was, and the reason Paul wanted to go that time, I believe, was because there were a lot of people there. It was, a, for him, it was a target-rich environment. Make no mistake about it, Paul was an evangelist. And he knew where to go, where the most people were. He just did that automatically. Came second nature to him. Bigger the town, quicker he'd get there. And now he's going to Jerusalem, and he wants to be there when there's a big crowd there. He wants to go. I'm reminded of a story one time of an evangelist who was walking along a roadway that would lead him to Niagara Falls. And going along the road, he got within a few miles of the Niagara Falls, and he came across a farmer in his field by the side of the road. And the evangelist beckoned to the farmer and said to him, Am I on the right road? Is is Niagara Falls this way? And the farmer said to him, Yes, you're going, you're on the right road. It's down that road, I've been told, about four or five miles. And the evangelist said, uh, well, then I'm on the right road. They tell me it's really something to see. It's really, really, really a wonderful thing to do and see. And the farmer said to the evangelist, I wouldn't know about that. He says, I've been here years and years working on this farm, and I ain't never had time to go down there to look at that thing. And I ain't planning on it tomorrow either. So, with that, the evangelist went on down the road, but learned a lesson that we can live close to something wonderful and just never go there. The Holy Ghost is like that. A lot of Christians live within a mile <laughs> and never go go there. Don't want to go there. See? And that's just what happens. So 
Let's, let's go there this morning to this target-rich environment. Let's go where we can make the most different and the most good. They sailed. He he wants these men from Ephesus. Now, they are elders of the church, which is called in our day bishop. Bishop is used there for that word. They were leaders of the churches in Ephesus, and they all came. This sort of tells you something. I mean, it's a, all these men just took off. And in that day, they would have had to, they would have sailed from a, a port and down into this, where this Assos was. And it's still there. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful spots in the Mediterranean. Assos is a, a gorgeous little town and only little island. And all of these places that he's going to, except for Ephesus, are islands, little islands in the in the sea, and warm and beautiful beaches, and the people are lovely. It's a sweet place to to go and to be. And so they these seven these men they sailed to him. They sailed to him, and when they arrived, they were going to kick him on. Farewell discourse of Paul begins here. And he, he, he begins to, to give you his, his farewell. I know, I thought about, I wonder what it would be like. What do we have today that's anything like this? And the only thing I could think of were the, were the farewells of preachers. You know, so if you've got, had a preacher that you love a lot in a church, and the bishop causes them or they, it's time to move and they need to move sometimes. Sometimes they don't, but the farewell is always significant. And the last Sunday of a preacher's time with a church is known. The church usually lets it be known ahead of time. And People will come that the minister has particularly blessed. And they're usually people who went through a crisis while the preacher was there. Lost a family member and the preacher did the funeral. Maybe they had a difficult marriage and the preacher straightened them out and helped them through a divorce or something. Something that we don't know necessarily about. But on the last Sunday, as a way of paying sort of an homage to the departing preacher, They'll show up. They'll show up. And it's a very, very moving experience. And then there's always a time when the, when the preacher finally does leave. And yet we have different rituals and things to help us with that because it's difficult. It's a difficult time. And when you, you go, when the preacher goes out down the aisle of the church for the last time and, uh, and often tears are shed. Sometimes they'll applaud, particularly if he was a good one, or she was an applaud. So, but it's like this. He's all leaving people that he ministered to. He's saying goodbye. And it's hurting. Hurts him. His tears flow. Tears flow from the others. Now, the Bible is full of these things. 
Don't get me wrong. I'm not pulling this moment down. I'm actually lifting it up. There was nothing more beautiful than the farewell discourse of Jesus in John's gospel. Around the Passover supper. It's called that by scholars. They call it the farewell discourse. Jesus reminds them he's going to prepare a place for them. You know that? And that's the great old funeral text of the of a wise preacher is is that one right there in, in John. You know, and, and Thomas says, we don't know where you're going. Where are you going? And Jesus says, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Isn't that wonderful, wonderful thing? And Moses, when Moses was time to die, he gets to the promised land and he can't go in. Uh, what, what, what a shattering kind of a thing. He can't get into the Holy Land. He's a murderer and, and the Lord won't, won't, won't allow him in. And he goes up on Mount Sinai and looks over into the, into the, into the promised land. But he won't go there because he's, he's going to die. And he has a long farewell discourse. So does Samuel and so do some of the others to tell you goodbye. Now, it's a good thing to write your funeral before you die. So, <laughs> write it out to, to yourself and then throw it away if you want to. But it's always good to look at your life. Take a serious perspective of who you are and what you've done with what it was. That God gave you when you come screaming and kicking into this world and your mama took you into her arms and, and you raised up as a child and then you became a teenager and then you were an, an adult and you formed relationships, maybe a family, you went to school, you did all those things and then there you got retired and you got old and you died. Well, now. And from A to B, what did you do in between? The logic of your life. What did you do with it? What'd you, this is a, John Wesley preached like this. People didn't, he kind of put some people off because he, he always asked people, what did they do with what God gave them? He would say, you're, you're a grown man. What did you do with the tongue that God gave you? Have you spoken for him? Have you ever been a witness for him? What did you do with the ears God gave you? Have you been listening to the right kind of things? What did you do with your eyes God gave you? Have you have had vision? Have you, see, that's where he would talk to people and make them see the responsibilities of their life. So, he, Paul talks about this in terms of the past and the present and the future. It's a linear discussion of the things that he did there in Ephesus, it's always good to have a linear discussion with yourself. Then the 19th verse there, he has serving the Lord with humility of mind, uh, which means that he was flexible. Paul was, was not rigid. He was aggressive, but he was, he was not that kind of a, a mean. He was flexible. He would change. He, he said that, uh, uh, he had had a sadness about his many tears and temptations that befell him while he waited for the plots of the Jews and the, 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 and the trials and the temptations that he went through in that time. He, he goes on to 
to talk to us about the interesting side of his past. Paul reminds him that his ministry was an uncompromising ministry. He didn't just, uh, wasn't all that, he wasn't so flexible that he didn't do things. No, no, he, he was fearless and faithfully and he tearfully preached Christ among them. You ever seen a preacher preach hard, preach so hard they cry? That was Paul's theme. That was something he would do. He, he had a, a touchy-feely side to him that you wouldn't expect, but here he comes clean with it, boy, you know, talking. He, he reminds him of his his ministry and how faithful he was in the, there in the past, declaring God's word so no one's damnation could be blamed on him. I mean, he was he was he was feeling that because of people who who wouldn't listen to him, that somehow or another their blood was on his soul because he couldn't convince them otherwise. That's that's a a, a preacher that is serious about what they're doing. Paul reminds them that his ministry was unselfish. He didn't take any money for what from nobody, and he remembers that. And and that is significant because there were plenty of people around then, just like now, who will take your money. I mean, there's no no question about it. They do what they do for money. They're not ashamed to tell you that and to tell you how much they want and to make it clear. But not Paul. Not not Paul. Paul was a, a Roman citizen, a cut above some of these people anyway. So he had a a, a sensitivity. That was wonderful. And he challenges them to remember something that he says Jesus said. Now, this is important. He says that Jesus said at one time, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's a wonderful text. Think about it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you and I have heard it a hundred times and we've heard it many times. Why? Well, what is it? Where did it come from? It's not in the Gospels. You won't find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Where did he get it? It's puzzled scholars, and they came up with a theory that this was a part of sayings of Jesus, which were not necessarily in the Bible. They were different from that. Outside of the Gospels, here in Acts, is a word straight from Jesus. My lawyer, I had a lawyer one time, and I thought his bill was too high. And I told him, I said, you're robbing me. Your bill is too high. And he leaned back in his leather chair and smiled and quoted me this verse. It is more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> so I had to pay that devil once. Okay. He talks about the present. That will be a final meeting. And that church is going to face difficult times ahead. Feed the flock of God. Get them strong, he says. Uh, don't, don't, don't spare the flock and identify people who have potential leadership skills and people who have potential damnation skills and, and separate them out. In other words, look at the present state of affairs and rule on it. Think about it. Work through it. And finally, he talks about the future. He says, look out. Because false teachers are coming. Mm. And the iniquity of these men. And they're vicious as wolves. Just as vicious as wolves. You know how a wolf will, will 
a wolf will eat a victim and all. I mean, a wolf will eat a lamb or a sheep or even a deer. This head first. I mean, eat, eat, eat the head right off. And so you want to understand that wolves and false teachers are, are alike in that they eat the head right off the victim. They come in through your mind, teach you the wrong things. Identify these men, he said. And then he falls down on his knees and gives forth this tearful, tearful, tearful farewell. Oh, my, 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 my. How sweet that is just to think about that, to dwell on that. And then he gets on the ship. And, and this is all compounded by the beautiful place that they're in, the beautiful setting of that. It's like having a funeral in Palm Beach on the beach. You know, it just don't, it just don't mix. I mean, <laughs> it's such a, it's so many reasons to live, so many reasons to uh, tie your clothes off and go swimming in the, in the ocean. It's so many reasons to want to stay there and, 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 and live there rather than going somewhere to die for something like this. But that was his choice. And that was his plan. And that was his will. Now you have come today with me along a different path. Uh, you've been encouraged to think about your life. I want you to think about looking at your long, look at the long game of your life. Think about it a little bit. Well, what have you done with the life that God has given you? And I don't mean for you to sit and spin on how bad you are. I want you to think about some of the good things you've done. Paul does. He's not ashamed to remember the good things he's done. Why don't you write them down on something? Think about it. What, 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 what has my life really been like? Yeah. And also to remember that St. Paul didn't finish yet. There are a lot of stories yet to go from him, boy. He he's nowhere near through. But this parting moment from those Greek churches is profound. I hope I've been able to instill in you that, 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 the joy of that, that moment with those men. That, that joy. I can see them there. I can see them in my mind. Well, that brings just about our time together to a close. I wish we could have... Uh, an opportunity for your feedback because, because I know that many of you really know this, this Bible and this text very well. And I, I am honored to just sit here and talk about these things with you. It is a true joy to me every moment of it. And, and I hope you are well and stay safe. Let us have a little short prayer. Let us pray. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, we do pray for those people scattered about Texas in the ice storm, cold, miserable. Our minds race off to those with COVID-19. We think about the people in trouble today all around the world. We thank you for this life of St. Paul so well lived, and we honor you and bless you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good to be with you today.
salvation, oh God's mercy, so amazes me. As I watch the world around me, I can see His mighty hands delivering these people from the evil in this land. The wounded and the broken hearted lift their voice in prayer as they feel the touch of His amazing grace. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation. 